And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today is Wednesday, July 22nd. Summer's flying by. Sports are back, though, so that's a great thing. I hope, uh, you know, everyone takes some time off work and can sit down in front of the TV, enjoy some hockey. I know basketball's back, baseball's back. Whatever your vice is, sit down, watch it, have a beer, enjoy. Uh, You deserve it. These past four months have been really long, and sports is something I know I've been waiting for, and I know you as well, so, you know. Hopefully everyone stays healthy and hopefully we can watch sports all the way into, uh, you know, all the way into the new year. Hopefully everyone stays healthy. Uh, Today on the High Button Podcast, we have Tyler Nogler. Tyler was the president and director of hockey operations for the Halifax Lions and the Maritime Hockey League, also moving into the head coach and GM position. He was also the head coach of the South Shore Mustangs of the Nova Scotia Major Midget Hockey League, also winning coach of the year in that league in 2006. Uh, As a Bridgewater native, he played in the Maritime Junior A Hockey League, skating for three seasons with the Cole Harbor Scotia Colts. And after his junior career ended, he went on to Dalhousie to play three years with the Dalhousie Tigers, and he graduated with a Bachelor of Recreation degree. Uh, recently, he has entered, not recently, he's been with St. Mary's for the past 19 season, being assistant coach uh, for that organization. Uh, for seven years, from 1997 to 2004, he's worked alongside uh, head coach Trevor Steinberg. Also, he helped shape the hockey tradition at St. Mary's. Think about that. Think about St. Mary's hockey tradition and how historic that is. It's quite incredible what Tyler's done over there. Uh, He helped St. Mary's win an AUS championship in 2002 for the first time in 25 years, and he was also part of the club in 2010 when they won the national championship. So Tyler's resume is long. It's, It's historic. The guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to this game of hockey. I'm extremely excited to pick his brain and see what he has to say about this beautiful game that we all enjoy. Uh, yeah, once again, my name's Justin. We're talking to Tyler Nogler. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Tyler, we are going. Nogs, thanks for coming to the podcast. No problem, Justin. This is great. I've, it's been a long time. Uh, you've been out a couple times with our team, but... It's been a long time since back in the heyday of the Halifax McDonald's and the Halifax Hawks when you used to jump on the ice. and way I, Yeah, way back. I remember, you know, that was back in the, the time when email first started and I didn't know how to email your parents and I used to have to sit there and make 25 calls just to get a couple kids on the ice. That's but. what I was saying right before the podcast. I was reading over your resume and when I think of you first thing, I go, that's the, that's the assistant coach for the St. Mary's men's hockey team. And then you look at the resume and you go all the way back, man. You've been through it all. You've been in every position, head coach, GM, director of hockey operations, assistant coach, head coach. Like You've just been through every position when it comes to this game of hockey. Well, one of the big things there with that that I'm pretty fortunate of is, is is just it's before my time at St. Mary's. Like when I when I landed at St. Mary's, you know, Trevor was there. Um, I had encountered Trevor at Dalhousie in my playing days, which which I think fostered that that relationship yeah. uh, between us. But before that, you know, like when I was hired at St. Mary's, Larry, you texted, "I'm going to surround myself with good people." Um, I tricked him. <laughs> you know, he he. Uh, uh, no, no. In all seriousness, he said he's going to surround himself with good people, and uh, and and that's one thing that I was uh, 
I was pretty fortunate of as a kid. Like, you know, I've got no problems giving some shout outs. I was at Allen Andrews as a kid. They run a fantastic hockey school. I was brought up there as a student, as an, uh, as an instructor. So you really understood how to teach and, and learn the game properly, right? I've, you know, I follow that into, into my minor hockey days with, uh, with Jim Kelly, who used to run. He's, uh, he, he actually was the reason I ended up at the Halifax McDonald's. Uh, he was the assistant coach there, and he's the reason I ended up there. He was a minor hockey coach in Bridgewater. I was on the ice as a kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was just like you know, some some, some kids grow up and uh, and uh, you know they, they they play cops and robbers, and uh, yeah. you know I grew up when I I wanted to play hockey coach, so I'd go over to the rink and 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 I just loved it, you know. From there, I I ended up at the head coach of the South Shore Mustangs, um, where I played, so that was great to give back to that community. Um, I ended up at St. Mary's. I left there. I ended up with the Halifax um, Lions. We rebranded a program that we bought from Manny Kanish. And then I ended up back at St. Mary's. And it was uh, it was fabulous. It's been a good journey. Yeah. What was it like growing up in Bridgewater? My parents have a cottage up there. I've been there the past, like, five years. What was it like growing up as a kid there? Because, you know, we have kids that are on the on the street or on the lake all the time, and they live there. And they just say they have the best time of their life. They love it. They're on the lake. They're, there's no big city living. They just love the small community. How was it growing up in Bridgewater? Well, you know, we got away with a ton of stuff growing yeah. up in Bridgewater. You yeah. know, it's a it's a different life down there. You know, we <laughs> got to be careful here a little bit. But, you know, <laughs> growing up in Bridgewater, you, you could be in and out of cars looking for change just to go to McDonald's late at night. But you'd go back the next day and knock on the neighbor's door and say, listen, I went into your car for the change. You didn't <laughs> didn't actually get robbed. Right. Like, you know, you, you, you literally Bridgewater was that relaxed. You, you would be out playing ball hockey in front of somebody's house where you'd go up and try their front door. They may not be home. But you go try their front door because if the front door was open, you could just use that host to use the washroom, or you could use that host to just go get a drink. You know, people left their front their 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 keys in the in the front door of the mailbox. You know, I'm sure with the man running around down in Bridgewater a little loose right now, yeah, so they're yeah, probably yeah. a little bit more secure. But uh, it was Justin. It was absolutely fabulous. Um, it was so good. You know, I've um, me and my wife have recently uh, purchased a cottage down in Hubbard's, oh, yeah. um, where we spend a lot of our time. And I'm now reflecting, it's funny you ask that question, because I'm now reflecting my childhood. You know, I see my kids. I'm getting up 9, 30, 10 o'clock to go look for the kids, and I got to go get them off the beach, yeah. right? We give them the freedom. The yeah. one thing, if I could describe growing up in Bridgewater, it was free. It was freedom. It was free. It was like you, there was no worries, and, and that's just what it was. Yeah. We, we played on the street. You know, we dropped off like the street was our babysitter. We ran down to the Bridgewater swimming pool. We spent afternoons there a galore. Um, we came home. Somebody's family fed us, right? Yeah. Somebody's, we, we, we ended up all at somebody's house. They fed us. Then we ended up back down at the pool. You know, the Department of Transportation was our baseball field, right? You know, somebody's, somebody's street was our, was, our, was our hockey arena. Yeah. And that's what it was. And it was, it was awesome. I, 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 would, I would go back and say if I could grow up anywhere else again, I'd, I'd go back to Bridgewater. I had that, like, I'd never look and say I'd not want to grow up. There. Big rule in our family when we did get the cottage down there. It's on Pond Hook Lake. You know Pond Hook Lake? Love Pond Hook Lake. That's did a lot of camping in Pond Hook as a kid. Beautiful lake, big lake. Put the phones away. And no one, no one questions it. My dad's like, put the phones away, boys. Let's go. Let's go have some fun. Let's go fishing. Let's go to the neighbor's house, start a fire. Let's do it. There's so many options to do out there without your phone, without a TV, without, well, radio's always going. Jay's in the back. But, like, it's still just a great, great, great place to, I feel like I 
had it a little bit too late because I'm 28 now. We got yeah. it five years ago. But as a kid, I wish it was it was there for me. But even today, I'm so busy with this. I'm so busy scheduling podcasts. I'm so busy with, with everything. Going back there is just a reset. And I, when I come back to the city, I almost get like a little hint of anxiety. You know, because there's cars, there's people out there. It's just... Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny when you say that, but, you know, you, you, when you look at it, you say you're 28, it's a little late. It's never too late. It's okay. never too late for that relaxation in life to be able to understand what we, what we, what else we could have. You know, I'll give you a prime example. My, my wife, um, they have a family cottage. Uh, they call it a camp, yeah. right? Anything that I think that you can sleep in under that's not a tent is a cottage, right? To me, Fair enough. um, they have a camp and it's, uh, when you talk about off the grid, this is off the grid. We're down off the off Stanley Bridge. Yeah. There's no power, right? There's plumbing by a pump, yeah. right? There's no electricity. So there's no internet. There's no anything. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. My first time there, I was thinking to myself, how close is the golf course, right? I'm yeah. going to hate this. Like, you know, I don't know how many nights that she had to come give me a tap by the fire at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning because I'm asleep at the fire, right? It's complete darkness, it's tranquility to 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 its extreme, yeah. and you're going, oh, you're saying, wait, I got to leave this on Sunday. Yeah. You know, we often stay till Monday if we can because yeah. uh, it's in PEI, so you're just not looking at the 30, 40, 50 minute drive home from down to the South Shore. You got a three hour drive in front of you, so you say, okay, we'll tackle that in the morning, yeah. right? But yeah, it's not too late, and I and I recommend for you and your wife, and you put the J show aside, and you get ready to go, <laughs> and you say, hey, I'm going to just relax for a bit, and. Yeah. Um, and that's a great spot. We'll have to hook up now that you're down in Pond Hook, and I know you're down there too. Absolutely, absolutely, we will. Where were you at down there? You don't have to say. But like, well, no, no, I'm right, my, my parents are right in the town. Oh yeah. But I'm right, like myself, I'm in Hubbard's, um, um, just off of uh, the Short Club Road. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Exit some, six. Exit six. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so some friends of mine have uh, have cottages down there. Yeah. So we've been looking for about four years. So same thing that we it was funny. We were talking about just real estate and finances and all that before the show started, and that was just one of the things I really wanted a cottage bad. So I, I just saved my pennies for five years. Yeah. And that's all it did. Just nickels in the jar, right? It's kind of like that. That's good advice. Yeah. It's good advice. I ended this question with Steinberg, and I want to start with you because, like I said, it's fresh in my mind looking at your resume, and longevity is a thing I always think about when it comes to this podcast and things that I'm doing in life, and I look at Steinberg's resume, and it's, it's longevity. He had a, a very he had a great career, and I look at your career, same thing, national championship, championships. You did a really good job, and your career's not even over yet, but when I do look at your career, I, I think of longevity, so what are your keys to it? Because it's one thing that I, I, I not worry about, but I want to... I want to hone in on it and just yeah. be here 10, 20, 30 years from now. Well, the, the one thing is, is, is you're on the right path because you have a passion for this. Like I've seen this podcast grow and I've seen, you know, the, your, 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 your whole reputation just kind of take over. I didn't even realize, like, I kind of forgot who Justin Blanger was. I'm thinking, who, what? <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, and you coach him, he's with the McDonald's. I'm like, oh, wow. Bell. And then I said, yeah, I said, yeah. He, and I said, he's, he's, he's doing this, this is his. So you're on the right path because you've started something. And what I think you have is you got a tremendous passion for it. I have a tremendous passion for the game of hockey, right? Um, that was the big thing. Um, I've been fortunate enough to say that I've actually I've 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 worked at a career for 23 years yeah. that I like. Um, you know, there's some days that you don't want to go to work, or there's some mountains that you have to climb, or you you know you you know like guess what? <laughs> this hasn't been all roses. You know, we can talk about parents and parents and hockey and the development of kids and dealing with you know new age kids to old age kids and you know everything that we have to be careful now as a coach that you know parents actually would want us to do 20 years ago yeah um, not to digress and jump around but you know 
I've had a tremendous passion and a love for what I've done. So that has helped the longevity. That's number one. Number two, I'm very fortunate because I got in a situation with Trevor where we, we are very loyal to each other. We were very committed to each other and, and that, that, you know, if you have somebody that's very loyal and trustworthy and you have a great working relationship, those two qualities will stand the test of time in my mind okay. over anything else. Right. You know, um, you think about it, we're, we're probably the longest married couple that you can think of, right? And, and, it's true. And, yeah, and so, and that's just what it was. So to go back there in 2010 and to, and to have another 10 years with Trevor and to be able to finish his career with him, um, it, was, it meant a lot to me. It was, and it was, it was sentimental for him to leave. I didn't want him to leave. Like, I've been sitting here waiting for his job. But, you know, only under the right circumstances, right? Like, what would the right circumstances be? That he wanted to retire, okay. right? But, but when I look at it, you know, here, here's a guy that's retired. You know, we're, we're two games away from winning a national championship. We got a brand new rink. Um, you know, he's, he's, he has set a stage at St. Mary's that uh, people will say it's, it's going to be hard to follow. I'm not going to say it's going to be hard to follow. If you work hard at it, it'll be a good lead to follow, mm. right? Because he's, 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 so, so that's what's going to help me, hopefully with another, you know, I haven't, I don't have this job yet. You know, I'm an interim head coach, but, uh, you know, I, I'd love to be there for another seven to 10 years in the, in the end of my career to uh, 15 years to, to finish off. So when you talk about longevity there, you know, I'll be 35, you know, if I could get another 12 years out of St. Mary's, let's say I'd be, I'd be there the better part of 35 years. It'd be awesome. Be unreal. Yeah. Be Brand awesome. New rink. Yeah. New rink. Right. You know, my buddy helped us buy a new rink. That was great. You know, he put he helped with that, eh? Yeah, Glenn, yeah. the Holmes family guys. You know, I've, the, we had a big thing, so it's no won't pull any punches. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, that's why I, that's why I wear these shirts a lot too. You know, support yeah. local. This guy here is uh, runs Studio, runs uh, Samuel Co, runs a number okay, of clothing yeah, yeah, stores. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and Glenn stepped up. We've been we've been buddies for a long time, and he stepped up, and uh, it was just funny because he he did. He said one day because I was asking him, can you know. I'm that guy. I'm a shaker and a mover. I, you know, not a hustler to say, but um, if we need to get something done, yeah. let's go ask the question. Okay. Right? Yeah, I'll be a little. I'll walk a fine line a little bit. It's kind of like you know, wanting to meet a good-looking girl. Yeah. You don't know what the response is unless you ask the question. I believe in that. Right? So Absolutely. yeah, you got to ask the question, right? Absolutely. You got to put yourself out there. So yeah. I kept saying, you know, could you could you get me involved in a golf game here or you know a dinner here and you know get me in front of some people so I could actually start breaking some bread and asking for some money. So one day he just looked at me, he goes, why don't you ask me? I just looked at him. I, I, I said, I don't know, like you're my buddy. And I, I, I don't know, like to me, you know, they donated $2 million. To me, that, that, that's a fortune of a life. Of, he said of, that. Yeah, he why said, you why, why not me? I just said, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. And so, but we've been down the road enough that he had always helped and he, he's been a great contributor, great supporter of St. Mary's Hockey. And then it was just one day, how come, you know, why not me? Or maybe me, I, you know, and, and um, his son, which is Glenn Jr., was playing. And I think it really helped. And this is what, what's great about, you know, Glenn and Nancy. What really helped was G Jr., Glenn Jr., was playing Citadel High hockey. And they're playing out of St. Mary's. So he got to experience what it was like to go down there and watch a kid practice or play and have to wear a parka and, and, and go, we're in the south end of Halifax. We're probably in the richest community east of Montreal, right? You know, south next end of Halifax. To, yeah, and yeah. next to Rossay, New Brunswick. Yeah. <laughs> and this is all we have. And the community needs this. And he stepped up large, not just for St. Mary's. He stepped up large for the community. This put this project completely over the top. 
right? For the recruiting aspect, for everything, not well, just the like recruiting. Everything. Recruiting, it's 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 now because you know I I I don't want to lead with this, but you know I'm not saying that teams go out there and when they're recruiting and you know Trevor's done a great job and we've done a great job to to build a good program and we recruit good athletes. You know, you can't tell me that a good program is not going to lead with the fact that, well, you know what? Great program. They don't have a rink on campus. We don't have to deal with that anymore. Oh, yeah, you know? because we had a so we had someone on. I think it was Hardy, and it's like it's tough being at the forum going back, yeah. especially for those new recruits. It's like, all right, let's take you to a steakhouse. Then let's take you to the rink, which is 20 yeah. minutes away. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's so 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 to end up there and to have that rink and to have it, you know, everything's it's just like it's brand new, right? So just think about it, right? How many times have we ever been able to get into a brand new car or own a brand new house? It doesn't happen very often in our life, right? If ever. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I've, I've had one brand new house in my life, and, uh, and, and I don't think I've ever had a brand new car. So just to get a brand new rink, man, you walk in, everything. And, and he did a top shelf too, right? Like our dress room's top shelf. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. Unreal. So, Unreal. So, yeah, so I've got no problems. If I'm going to buy clothes, I buy them from Studio. If I'm going to buy tank tops, I make sure I'm wearing East Coast lifestyle tank tops, right? Like I support local. They've they've stepped up huge for us. So I I'm going to have that's... to give you a T-shirt before you leave here. We got some out back. Yeah, no, and I and I, I, I do. I I do owe you a sweatshirt because I did bring one for well, yeah, you. Yeah, you but got I, me one here. I'll yeah, but I forgot one. about Doodles. So I forgot about him, right? So I just got to drop one off. Would have been nice to have that little sidekick here today. He's got enough high button sports hoodies. He doesn't need any more hoodies. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> All the teams he's been on in the in the past, he's good. But it seems like relationships are the the key trend to what you're talking about here. When when you're talking about your hockey career, you, you formed relationships that have allowed you to, I don't know, just be in the position you are. Obviously, hard work comes into play, and you need to be a, a hard worker in order to be in the position you are. But it just seems like relationships are there for you, and that's it's something I think a lot of people not struggle with but i think it's something that a younger generation needs to work on with the i think tim boyce mentioned this if, if you're going to be in the professional career you need to learn how to have a conversation you need to learn how to conduct yourself as a professional and it's interesting at that younger generation coming up who you coach because i know that you still coach younger kids coming up it's, is, is that something you like to implement in in talking to kids and, and being you know put your chest though when you shake a man's hand look him in the eyes is, is that a, a thing you preach absolutely and and the, the one thing is is you know it's 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 there's some sensitive topics around coaching kids in these days, you know, 100%. and the one, yeah, and you really have to, and guess what? Nobody should be treated poorly. I do agree with that. Yeah. Right. Um, sometimes the thing is I feel bad for some coaches or I feel bad for some, some, what I think are athletic leaders in our community or, or, or in society, because, you know, you, you, you couldn't even imagine some messages or phone calls or things that we get from parents on the other end of the phone that actually want to push you. I need you to scream at my kid. I want you to yell at him. You know what I mean? Like, you know, don't be afraid to give him a smack on the rear end with your stick. And you're yeah. kind of listening to this going, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tap your kid on the rear end with my backhand of my stick. And two days later, I'll be in Frank magazine and I'll be looking, <laughs> I'll be looking to see if I could be a dishwasher somewhere. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, so what I like to do is I put some things to a test. Like, you know, guess what? I left the ice this morning. I gave three kids instructions to pick up three pieces of uh, of uh, tools on the ice, some stick handlers, a puck bucket, and some tires. Yeah. Told them, pick them up, walk them around the corner, go to the first uh, door on the left, and throw them in. Well, they came back three times asking, right? So I just think, you know, I'm not going to ever question people's parenting in society today. I don't know if it's the phones. I don't know what it is. But we coddle and cater our kids too much. I don't know how many kids do honest labor anymore. Does, does anybody mow their lawn anymore? Or do they all have landscapers? Right? Or does dad just do it? Or does mom just do it? Right? 
you know, like these were, these were not chores. These were just things that you as a family growing up, just you were expected to do. Like I got up, my dad didn't have to tell me to mow the grass. You just knew. I just knew to mow the grass. It was, you know, the blades were, were where you could see the blades moving in the wind. So you just, you just mowed the grass. Yeah. Right. You know, it was, it, it just happened. Um, but with kids this, this day and age, you know, they, um, they do really, I think need to be able to step back a little and go, okay, I have to learn how to do this on my own a little bit, yeah. right? Hard to explain, I guess, Justin. One of the things is, is like, when you guys were kids, if you got cut, you went and played at another level. You played at the level you were deserving of. Well, now those three letters, A-A-A, they mean so much to a parent, right? Like, if you don't get to wear those three A's on the sleeve of your jersey, they might just pick up their ball and say, I don't like this court. I'm going to go to another game over here, Right? And now all of a sudden, are we really teaching our kids the right lessons to say, you know what, you weren't good enough in this area to play AAA, so you need you need to work on it. You need to do extra things, right? You know, like, um, but I'll tell you, I had a great conversation with Bruce Beaton about this, and I used to have his kid years ago, and he was, uh, and Bruce is a sports psychologist, right? He's a, he's a former CFL player Lives he's in, Halifax? in Acadia he's down in the valley okay right you know you want to talk about a, say, yeah you want to talk about a guest but this is this guy here would be like he'd probably be the best guest in the country What's for his you name, sorry? Bruce Beaton Bruce Beaton okay yep and uh and uh, he's uh he was phenomenal and one of the things was he was driving home and he said the best thing he liked and I listened to his t his cds and everything and he said I like the truck time like with my kid, it's going to and from the rink. It's the truck time, right? And he used an example of uh, of um, um, Sean Thornton. Sean Thornton, former Boston Bruins, was his kid's favorite player, right? Yeah, okay. And he just, you know, his kid said to him one day at home, he goes, well, you know, Dad, I didn't, like, how come I didn't get to do this? You know, my, you know, my coach, which was me at this point, took me off in this situation. How, like, how come I didn't get to do that last face-off or be on the ice for that last moment, right? And he used the example of Sean Thornton, which, you know, I'll, I'll touch on two of them because I've learned two good lessons here. Um, he talked about, um, you know, Sean Thornton. He said, well, you know, you think about the coach of the Boston Bruins. Would he have Sean Thornton on the ice at that point of the game in that time with that score? And he looked right at me and goes, no. And he asked him why. He goes, well, because. He said, you know, Bergeron or Marchand or uh, Cher or whatever, you know, he, he said at that point they would be better, yeah. right? They would be better to be on there, right? And he goes, well then you have to think that, you know, coaches all think the same too. So maybe your coach did just think that there was a better player, right? How do you feel? And then, but he asked him, how do you feel about that? He said, well, you know, I'd like to be that player. So, you know, his whole lesson was, how do you feel about it? It wasn't my fault. It wasn't the coach's fault, but he actually got to get his son to explain how Hold he felt closer. about it. Sorry. How he got to, you know, he got, got his son to feel about how he felt about yeah. that and explain that. And then he attacked it from the inside out and just said, well, you know what? If you don't want to be that guy who sits on the bench and you want to be this extra guy, what do you think you have to do to be that guy? That's what you're saying. Right? So he, he, he actually had him solve the lesson for himself. He didn't give him the answer. He didn't give him the answer. He had him solve the problem and then he watched him go to work and implement the solutions to solve the problem all the work away from the rink when you try to say to the kids this is where you get better when no one's looking right 
you know, we all know who's good when we're looking. I can walk into a rink with you and we can stand there and in 10 minutes, bud, you're not a scout and you, you've been around the game enough. You can go, oh, wow, that kid can fly. He's good. Look at his skills. We can identify skills, right? We can also identify the other. Well, geez, he's lazy, right? And that's what you have to teach them, that you have to be able to get better when nobody's looking and understand that it, you don't always have to be 100% when somebody's watching. Mm. But if you love the sport, you're 100% all the time, mm -hmm. right? Because I'll leave you with this. The last lesson I try to give kids is if I gave you a self-test right now on the high button, would you give yourself a 25% grade on it? Not a chance. Not a chance, right? No. So if you're going to go out and you're going to be able to give yourself your own feedback, you're not going to rate yourself at 25%. So why does any kid when he does a drill put 25% effort into it? You're only giving yourself 25%, right? So like that's, so different lessons in different ways. I try to get to the kids with, you know, I don't want to say silly analogies, but different analogies. So, you know, if you went home with a math test and 25% on it and your parents looked at it, they wouldn't be very happy, right? You've had a few of those, <laughs> right? <More than> <laughs> and, you know, and they wouldn't be very happy. But then if, especially if you got to say, well, I, I got to grade it myself, then the, the parents would be like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, well, okay. so, so if you were able to jump on the ice, and, you're, and, and, so I, and so in this day and age, too, I do take a lot of pride, and, and I put a lot of pressure on myself in a way. Parents spend a lot of money. They spend a lot of money to get their kids better. Yes, they and they do. do actually, you know, if I'm to be a little bit less modest here, they, they, they spend a lot of money for me. Right? People invest in me to have their kids get better. So I feel an obligation to go out and do more than just blow a whistle. Right? So if... You know, if you have to cross the line a little bit with your words to just, you know, to not make somebody feel bad about themselves. I'm not cursing and swearing at them or, yeah. you know, making them feel like they're, you know, not a good person in society. But I will hold them accountable. Yeah. Right. You know, like, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I said I said to a couple of kids even this week, like, are you not embarrassed? Right. To be out here and realize that you're the same guy that seven times in a row can't follow instruction right so yeah like all of a sudden you know i get the lessons that oh yeah go pat him on the back and tell him how great he's doing mm. and then instill the three negatives mm. well this isn't about instilling any negatives or any positives it's just about instilling accountability right? i remember being in these camps when i was younger and you were a coach i'm pretty sure you and me, yeah 100 like, percent. i had you someone yeah and i remember you didn't you weren't yelling but you were aggressive and that was my parent my dad was aggressive. my dad was you know justin let's do this do this but this was the first time where a stranger was telling me what to do and i remember not being nervous, but just being a little timid. Yep. But that lesson, looking back on it now, it's like, it's unbelievable that life lesson. When you have a complete stranger, it's almost like a military style when you're younger. It's like, not military, but direction. Yeah, it's direction. And when you use that, see, I like to try to, to, to say, somebody's asked me, how have you developed your philosophy? Like, how have you developed who you are? Well, I had a guy, Chuck Lacane. Chuck Lacane is a former St. Mary's goaltender. Okay. He's probably one of the guys I give a ton of credit to in my coaching. He was the assistant coach. He was my former high school history teacher, right? He he went to King's Edge Hill. Yeah. So it was all about, you know, he, he actually it was funny because he, he really helped me because in my younger days, I could have made a couple mistakes. Like, you know, he's whispered in my ear a few times, he, you can't do that. I wouldn't do that if I was you. Yeah, so yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's helped me quite a bit, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I'll tell you one of those stories. I don't mind telling you one of those stories. And uh, uh, he said, if you're going to be a good coach, you should try to rule yourself after what I would think was a great headmaster. So you're not a principal. You're not a commander-in-chief in the military, 
right? Yeah. But you're a headmaster. You're somebody who has authority. You give direction. And in society, they're very well looked at as being no nonsense. How many headmasters in top-notch private schools do you say they run bad programs? What they do is they run good discipline, good structure, right? You know, I don't want to be some high-ranking official in the military where I'm kicking some kid, right, because he needs to save lives. That's yeah. not the case. And I'm not going to be somebody... And uh, walk lightly on this in the public school system that's going to sit back and say, well, we have to treat this one just like everybody else because we have a demographic to follow, yeah. right? We're going to be at this private school. This is a private hockey program. I'm a private coach. And that's the best thing. If you don't like the way that, that I coach or you don't like the way I'm going to discipline, it's very mutual. You don't have to come back. Because yeah. I've actually told some parents too, I can't, I can't teach your kid anymore. Really? Yeah, well, you can't because they don't listen. They're not good enough uh, as far as behavior-wise. I never worry about a kid's talent because we can get them there. I believe everybody has a little athlete in them, yeah, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everybody's got an athlete in them, right? And uh, at the end of the day, I, I just don't think that I want it to be the reason why you're making a bad yeah. investment and until you change some things. So I've had some of those hard conversations. Those aren't, those yeah. aren't easy ones. Yeah. But one of the, the funny stories I wanted to tell you was one of the best lessons was is um, – I was coaching Major Midget, so sure Mustangs. We were down in Cape Breton, and we had a terrible, terrible, terrible time with discipline. Same guys making, taking bad penalties. And, you know, we're, we're on the verge where we're, we're not that good. So we, we have to really work hard not to have a lopsided score, right? So to be kind to the team, right? Like, we, we, we had great kids. Yeah. We had two or three of them that were, you know, you're going, okay, I wish I would have made a harder decision on these guys two months ago. And, you know, numbers are always an issue down there back then. You know, they've done a great job with the program. Um, and uh, I told guys, if, you, if, if you're going to take stupid, un senseless penalties and put a shorthanded, you're going to just, I'm going I'm to undress you. And you're going to take your gear off. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think they thought coach was serious, I'm right? You know, back. right after the first period I walk in, I go, you, you, and you, take your gear off. All three, get Take your gear off. So they're looking. I said, yeah. That's funny. You know what? We lose by six goals and not 15, yeah. right? And we don't have another penalty the rest of the game. And in the first period, we had given up four power play goals in that game. So, you know, now the score is 2-1 yeah. with, a, with a team from Cape Breton who was an exceptional team that year, yeah. right? We come off the ice and kids are standing there and they're wanting to walk into the dress room behind me. I turn around, look over and say, where are you going? They're like, dress room i'm like no no i said dress rooms for the team you chose not to be part of the team i gave the thumb i said out you go you're not in here one of the kids speaks up when i'm just halfway through the you know this is 20 years ago right <laughs> i'm halfway through the dress room door and he goes what should we just get on the bus well i whip around on my heels i said the bus so we're talking about the bus is for the team we're in Cape Breton. Jesus Christ. He goes, I'm yeah, he goes, <laughs> buddy, we can't get on the bus. I said, I'd go out there and talk to some parents or something. I said, guys, you chose, I told you, if you, you're going to act a certain way, behave a certain way, not yeah. abide by a certain standard, you're not going to be part of the team. Anyway, Chuck was standing there with me and we're walking in. He's like, I don't think that's a good idea to leave these kids in Cape Breton. And I looked at him. I said, no, no, I'd never do it. He goes, yeah, he goes, you shouldn't even be scaring him with that thought. So that was kind of the the edge but he's, he's he's helped me with a few uh with a few little lessons like that but uh what a great time i had when i first broke into coaching i went down uh um as a head coach yeah. I, I left st mary's and i went down and took a uh, head coach's job in the so shore and ran that yeah. major midget team and that was pretty special for 
for three years for me to be down there back in yeah, my hometown home. coaching and the team that I played for. And, and really that midget program was probably the biggest reason why I played university hockey. And that gave me the oh, insight. Yeah. yeah. You know, it gave me the real insight of what it was to play at the next level. Right now, okay. Glenn Murray, I grew up with and he was my age, but, but he was just a, a hockey year ahead of me. Like we were both, you know, he's it's a seven, one year. It's one, right. He was a 72 birthday. I think I'm a 73. Um, but we were in the same grade, right? So we we're in the same grade. He had so a better hockey birthday, right? But yeah, yeah, so he had just and and he uh, and he uh, he's just and it, to, to watch how exceptional he was growing up, but then to watch him, he played major midget as an underage, and to watch him play major midget as an underage, yeah. um, that allowed me to really say, you know what, if I, I know what needs to be done. I know the work. I know some of the heavy lifting that needs to be done yeah. and it can be done. Like the kids in the small areas that we never got looked at, right? Like, yeah. you know, you need it to be a Glenn Murray. You need it to be outstanding, exceptional yeah. for somebody to come down and say, okay, well, you know, it's a rural kid. There wasn't many of us before that, right? Yeah. You know, um, John Van Castle was from down that way. He ended up in Annie. Uh, John Van Castle was, uh, he, he was a, um, a New Haven Knight, AHL, career AHLer, okay. right? That uh, left home and from Bridgewater and went and moved and played Nanny Kanish, okay. right? Like, you know, he's a Melanson family, tough, tough, tough family. Okay. Um, and uh, and uh, so, so or sorry, he went down to live with the Melansons. But uh, yeah, so 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 the, to just to grow up and see some of these guys that yeah. came before me, you go, okay, it can be done and you need to put a lot of time into it. Yeah. Now, it didn't help. I was five foot nothing, and, right? 100 and, 120 pounds soaking yeah. wet, right? Yeah. But, you know, I grinded it out. I never played major junior. I did play tier two. I played at Dow for three years, which was a, an exceptional experience in my life. The I think. wooden roof. I missed that rink. Oh, uh, man, I, there was yeah. nothing wrong with that rink, by the way. Loved it. They just needed it for dorms. Dorms. But the other thing was, rink. is I don't know. I don't want to gossip here, but I actually heard that they couldn't get after the insurance was up or whatever. They couldn't get it insured or there oh, was something. Really? Yeah, there was something wrong with the roof or something and then the repairs to it. But yeah. I love that rink. Yeah. Smell. Oh, it is great smell. Oh. Rink. I remember years and years back in the day going in there, rolling there for hockey school, right? Yeah. You felt like you were in the show, right? You'd walk down through that little uh, plastic, uh, the plastic curtains, yeah, right? So yeah. you go through those two, that first set of plastic curtains, and you'd be just like, I've arrived. I'm actually like, I'm a kid at hockey school. I'm here. I've made it, yeah. right? That was a great rink. Yeah, so... Um. I want to talk about your coaching style. Actually, no, I want to tell you a funny story first about because you said you kicked a couple guys out mid-game. I want to tell you a story about Troy Ryan and myself, Junior A. So I'm on the first line. Me, Wigington, Brad, Andrew Wigington, and uh, Brad McDonald. We're on the first line. I think we're playing maybe Yarmouth. We're down like 3 nothing in the first period. And we're on the first line. We've got a couple power play opportunities. We played terrible. Go in there in the dressing room. First intermission, Troy. Belanger, Wigington, Brad, take your gear off. Get the hell out. And I'm thinking, we didn't play that bad, but like I, I get it. Like Maybe the couple games before, we didn't play that well. And I'm thinking in my head, who are we playing tomorrow? Woodstock, best team in the country. So my thought process was, no, well, maybe like a couple days later, but at the time, like, God damn it, what the fuck is Troy? What, why is he kicking me out right now? The next game, we're playing Woodstock. So I'm going into that game just our whole line, me, Wigington, and Brad, we go into it. I think I got a hat trick in the first period. Five points by the end of the game. Total our whole line probably at nine points. We beat the best junior A team in the country. I think 10-1. Question for you. Do you think that was Troy going, I'm preparing for tomorrow's game? Or do you think that was an actual, I got to piss these guys off right now just to maybe get them jumped up for tomorrow's game? What do you think that was? Because I think... 
he was getting us ready for the Woodstock game. Yeah, I, I, you can you can see that angle. You know, the the one thing is uh, I've had some experience with Troy. I think Troy's a great mentalist, right? I think he really understands. Yeah. You know, I do think he understands the different mentality of each one of his players, and it's different. Yeah. Um, you know, my angle there is is that all of a sudden it's twofold. He's getting you guys ramped up, yeah. right? But also, if you see 17 players beneath you that say he can put those three guys in the stands yeah. for that performance, yeah. well, I better be good every night because it doesn't mean that I, not, I may not just be told to go sit in the stands. I may be told that, you know what, you're not dressing this game and I may sit in the stands for a couple weeks before I get back in. So I think it becomes everywhere, yeah. right? You know, it's a lesson to you to say, you know what, you better be ready for the next night because you're a bigger piece than this and, yeah. and, and you're dog shit right now, so you yeah. got to be better. Or... Number two, guess what? I'm going to send a message, and I'm not only going to send a message to you three, but I'm going to send a message. I'm going to put a shot across the bow right now to let everybody know. If I can put those three guys in the stands, I can put anybody in the stands, right? right? So you're not above the law here with me, yeah. and, and and that's how you really grab a strong and it a strong arm, stronghold on your team, and yeah. that's it, right? It worked. Um, your coaching style. I remember we mic'd up uh, Johnson, one of the last practices of the yep. year, I think. Johnny, yeah. And there was a really cool moment in the mic'd up clip where you guys were in the corner and you go to him, what do you want to do, three more drills or do you want to stop now and go stretch? And he goes, no, let's do three more drills, then we'll stretch after. And I thought that was really cool that you asked him if you wanted to do three more reps of the drill. And I was like, "That's I've never really seen that before. That's a cool aspect of coaching, I guess. What, where do you learn these things, I guess? Where, where does that come into play? Well, the one thing is, is, is as a, I think I'm a successful coach. I really do. I'm, I'm, I've got good confidence. I'm a confident guy, yeah. right? Like sometimes I wish this would be televised, right? Like, yeah. you know, I do have a face for TV, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's why we got the cameras yeah, exactly. and film you. Yeah. So, no, but I'm a confident guy. And I've been, I've been very fortunate. Like I, and I've surrounded myself and I've worked with people who, are, who I think are very, very good coaches. And I'm not afraid to take their ideas. And I'm not afraid to credit them for, for, for some of my successes. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to look at what they do and say, that worked or didn't work. And then try to adapt to the environment. Um, I'll jump right back into Trevor. You know, like one of the best things about Trevor is Trevor told me, and this is a great compliment from him, and I'm not sure I am, but he told me, you'll be a better coach than me someday. I said, oh, yeah, whatever. He goes, well, you'll learn from every one of my mistakes, right? I said, well, you're an exceptional coach. He goes, well, just think, if, if you get to learn from me and you really think, right, and he always downplays himself and you really think I'm that good, well, if you can become as good as me and then make less mistakes than me, then, I'm gonna be, then you'll be better than me, right? So, mm -hmm. like, I've tried to take these advices over time but one of the big things was is that just here was a couple years ago um, I went to an NHL coaches conference and and these this is something that I tried to start to adapt to my coaching um, DJ Smith had said in one of his presentations he, he makes a point every day of being able to talk to every one of his players right to go out so you know you hit the ice and you try to talk to every one of your players right you know if there's anybody that's great is uh, is is Trevor is phenomenal for staying in touch with his players and phenomenal for having that player-coach relationship. Yeah. Um, I've been very fortunate because he's allowed me to be that buffer in a lot of those relationships. So I've been in a number of different situations on handling a number of different, you know, coming up with a number of different solutions to problems that we've had with players or positive experiences as well, right? There's just as many positives. They probably outweigh the negatives, but, you know, you from that, my point is, is I've been able to over, I'm going to say a quarter century, be able to really get into the mind of the individual and understand you think differently than Doodles does. You think differently than Wiggy does, right? You think differently than 
BMAC did, yeah. right? So you have to be treated differently, yeah. right? You need to be spoke to, you need to be handled. Not everybody can be handled the same way. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I think is a strength of mine, right? The other thing is, is I believe that uh, you're only as great of a coach as the leadership in your room. Your dressing room is everything, right? You know, when we won in 2010, it was the best dressing room I'd ever been in, ever, right? I think we could have won this year. This year's dressing room absolutely matched, right? Like it was so, it was like our defensemen, like our players, like you could compare, like I'll give you two names, like Andrew Hotham when we won. Andrew Hotham was the best defenseman in the country. Well, we now have Nick Welsh. She's the best defenseman in the country, right? You know, should have won, should have got, should have won the award this year. Yeah, I'll say it, right? You know, yeah. awfully didn't win it. Yeah. You know, those two guys, comparable. They're, they're the best, yeah. right? You know, like when you look at, when you looked at our goaltending, when you looked at the way that our, the, the makeup of our defenseman, when you just looked at the makeup of our line, you're going, you know, here are these players, yeah. right? You know, they're, they're comparable. They're almost like, you know, like in the flash, they're almost like they're doppelgangers, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and so this year, I really said, you know what, we, we, this is special. We have something special here. We weren't supposed to do this well this year. We finished third place in, in the league, right? Yeah. You know, like it was yeah. only points away from a bye. So I, you know, I, uh, it's a big statement, but I really think that we had an opportunity to win a national championship this, this year because of our dress room. So to go back to that point of yours, I think that one of the things is, is that's also made me successful is Trevor's given me such a leash not to hang myself, but to run with it. So he's allowed me to go out and run practices. And, and I like to get a feel for the guys because from the guys, you know, what, what do they say? You know, happy, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden, if you've got happy guys, you've got a happy team, yeah. guys that are happy will work hard for you, right? You know, they block shots for, for, for you as well as each other. So, yeah. you know, you've got to keep them happy and you've got to know that the guys will stand on the front line for you. So. You know, open trade open like lines that. of communication. Let your players have a say. Yeah, I right? thought that was just a really cool mic'd up clip in the corner. And maybe to some people it wasn't. You know, some people love the funny stuff, but I love the stuff behind the scenes that no one really gets to see. And I thought that moment when you were asking them about the drill and do you want to do it a couple more? Because usually a coach is telling you, all right, we're doing two more, then it's over. And I just thought it was really cool that you asked a player. I know maybe some people listening, it might not be that big of a deal, but it's that stuff that you don't usually get to see, and that was yeah. a perfect example of it. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, one of the other cool. things, too, with that, just to, to kind of give us some of my secrets, if I don't know if they're really secrets, uh, uh, I like balance. So I like everybody in a practice-like setting to be equal. So what I'll do, too, is I'll also I'll watch, so I'll know that you that you, that you have gone but you might have been at the end of the line. Like, okay, so I'll yeah, take yeah, notice yeah. that somebody's been at the end of the line. Yeah. And I'll say, okay, Belly, how many times you go? You'd be like, I went three. I'll look at somebody else and say, how many times you go? Four. So I'll make sure I do an, a couple more to get to, to ensure that everybody's got about four reps, right? Cool. You know, like, so what's the sense of doing a drill if everybody doesn't get an equal amount? So then at the end of the day, guess what? If I gave you all equal amount of practice time yeah. and you don't get equal amount of ice time, well, you, you just have to be better in games. Yeah. I gave you the right amount of time and practice, right? So, because I have my own theory between being equal and being fair, right? You know, okay. I believe in uh, fair. I believe in fair play, right? Who would not want to be treated fairly, right? Absolutely. So, treat others how you want to be treated. Right. So, I believe that you have to be, but, but now equal, right? Now, yeah, you need to treat everybody equally to a certain extent, right? Um, and, you know, I don't want to get too deep into society and, and equality and society and so forth because I do believe in equality, but to only to a certain extent. And that doesn't matter who you are, right? 
I'm at St. Mary's. How come I'm not getting the athletic director salary? Right? Yeah. That's not equal. I don't have equal pay. How come I'm not making as much as the new VP uh, the, the, at St. Mary's they just hired? Well, if we're if we're if we want to stress equality, yeah. well, there's there's different ways. But what they have been is they've been fair to me at St. Mary's. Yeah. They've given me a place to work. They've given me a place to be successful. They've given me a place to 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 grow. Now they've given me a place to compete for a full time job. Right. So they've been very very fair to me. Right. So that's how I like to coach. I'll be very fair to you. I'll give you all the opportunity in the world. You have to be whether or not you're going to get you know the president's salary, the vice president's salary. And uh, you can't be afraid to have moving parts. It's right? the same lesson as being, you know, let's say you make Pee Wee double A compared to Pee Wee triple A. Same lesson. That's what are you right. going to do? Go home and cry? Or you're going to go home Just and work gotta on it? Got to go home and work on it, right? Yeah. You know, and um, and the other thing that I do think that uh, has helped me a lot, um, I've been a good buffer zone at St. Mary's for Trevor. I've handled a lot of the conversations. Um, he's given me great confidence to be able to deal with some situations and now having built that relationship with 20 plus players every year for especially the last decade since 2010 um i really have a i I don't i no longer have a sense of nervousness like guess what 10 years ago i I would have been on my third t-shirt in here right (laughs) i'd be like okay right like uh, you gotta wear white in here today right today it's 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 no it's you know the air condition's working but i'm not sweating right (laughs) Okay, I gotcha. But I gotta ask you a question. I'm gonna throw you for a loop here. I got a message about your 2003 selects team, the two, the year 2003 selects prospects, team. prospects team. Yeah, I know nothing about this, but I was told to bring it up, so I'm doing it. What, what's what's going on there? Okay, well, I can tell you that I've got a, a, a and I'll, I'll throw in. I don't want to downplay the 2003s, but I'll say I've got the 2003. If you go look, this is something I should do more, and I don't. Right, like I've had. Such success with this Nova Scotia Prospects program that I've run for 15 years. 15 years, years, yeah. I've run a small business for 15 years. We almost lost it this year due to COVID. Believe it or not, but I'm still giving people their money back, right? Like I still, I, I know I got some upset customers. I still like, but I had to go into some, some personal yeah. dividends and some personal inventory of my own revenue to get people their money back. But you know what? I won't digress. But I, I'm, I'm doing that because I have, I have a ton of pride in what I built, right? As you and I don't want to. And the other thing is, I got, I got to go into the ranks. I've got four small kids. I got to go into the ranks. I'm not going to look at you knowing that I lost three hundred to. $1,500 of your money. Like it's a lot of money for spring hockey. It's expensive. Yeah. Right. But my, so over 15 years we've built, we built, we, you know how it works. We build an age group, right? Yeah. Well, the 2003s, we've had an exceptional, we've had, a, you know, it's funny that somebody would just tweet that or send that India. We had so many kids from the 2003s move on and get drafted or play. Like it's, it's exceptional how much, or it's 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 unbelievable how how many of these players are exceptional playing at the next level yeah. and are, are gonna you know we're we're getting more and more of them all the time that are being drafted now like we'll we'll have another one this year the two thousand and one like you'll see Justin Barron get drafted this year yeah. right Justin Barron's been a long time prospect um, he's worked on his game yeah. and uh, the two thousand and threes incredible group of kids um, and they really set the stage too because they're a parent group that kept the kids together. Okay. Right, that set the stage for my 2004s. I actually had a record this year of 2004s. We had 23 kids on the team. 17 of them got drafted in the Quebec League this year. Yeah. Wow. All eight defensemen. Right. Wow. So all eight of my 2004 born defensemen got drafted. Right. We had eight 
forwards and one goalie. So what we train a group of 23. Yeah. Um, the the That's 99s, incredible. the 99s. Like, you know, we've got a kid come and play for us next year, Ben Higgins. So, what you know, how this usually works is you, is you develop a relationship with the dad. So his dad, Dave Higgins, is yeah. uh, they're from Truro, right? Great family, great people, right? Dave's an advocate in hockey. Like, no kids involved. Owns the Truro Major Bantam team with a couple guys down there, John Stanfield and Greg Mullins. Community guys give him back, right? Yeah. You know, um, you know, all three of those guys are heavily involved with Stu Rath with the junior team, supporting the junior team. And they don't even have kids that play in this program, right? Yeah. So, so Dave grabs, you know, when he does have Ben, we grab 20, same thing, 23 99-born athletes. Well, we had 19 of them make the Canada Games team. 19 kids that trained with us. There was only one kid that didn't train with us that made that Canada Games team. Now, that's, that's not... insane. It is insane. And, and, you know, like some people say, why don't you fire that all over your website? That's yeah. marketing. That's this and that. You know what? I, I, I don't. And it, because really, it's I've never looked at it as being me. I've looked at it as being able to surround myself with good people, right? Like at the 2000 and uh, at the 99 level, like yeah. Dave Higgins, yeah. right? At the 2003 level, yeah. I've got, you know, the, the amount of people that played in the 2003 that had sons at 2001 and they've all been successful. You're surrounding yourself, you know, with, with good, successful people. Now, I, now, with that 2003 team, you think about it. If I wasn't coaching that team, Jim Midgley was coaching that team, yeah. right? So anytime I wasn't there, they, 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 they probably got a better coach. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so to have somebody like Jim, who's a major junior experience coach, prep school experience coach, head coach, professional coach in Europe, you know, he, he had those pedigrees when he was a kid as well coaching. Yeah. You know, that, that group just really grew, you know. A couple of my competitors now, but they're good people. They had Daryl Plandowski yeah. helping me out then with that team. Yeah. So we had some great pedigree around. So it's not just me. So I just say, hey, right? And I'll give kudos to anybody. I don't care, right? Competition is great. People out there, they always make you better. Yeah. And then you come to the 2004s. You know, you get the assistant coach of the Lumberjacks down there, another community giver and Sean Woodworth, yeah. right? You know, he's in Bridgewater. I've heard his name pop up a couple oh times yeah, so like so he he took over. He's he's nothing more. And when I say that, I say that with 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 you know kind words. He's nothing more than just a hockey dad down there. Okay. Who knows the game? Who okay. knows sports? Who then takes a hold of the baseball program down there because he's an exceptional baseball player player right you know yeah. ncaa scholarship to arizona wow. uh, yeah you know didn't go but you know what that good he could have he could have right okay. you know hamstring injury bad leg injury sent him home um so i shouldn't say he didn't go just a bad injury and his kid right? just signed with drummondville his kid just signed with drummondville yeah right you know who when you look at connections the the gm in drummondville played with glenn murray right no and Sean and Glenn are exceptional friends, like you're best good friends. friends. With Glenn too, right? Uh, yeah. So Glenn's, a, yeah. So I, Glenn was a good friend of mine growing up. We're more yeah. of acquaintances now. You okay. know what I mean? Like, but if these guys are in town, I, I, I'd like to try to hook up with them. Or, yeah. you know, Sean stays in connection. I've got no problems. I reach out to Glenn every year. I give him my little projected player list on who I think will be good. Drafted players between rounds three and eight, right? Okay. Yeah. So, so that's kind of what I do. I send him a little note and, uh, yeah. and then just ask to say, Hey, listen, how close was I? And, and it's good because if, if, you know, maybe someday I land a job out of that, if I can send them the right players yeah. or the right enough players, then at least I can identify and I'm, and, and it's easy to pick a first rounder, yeah. but can you pick a fifth rounder that can play? Yeah. So that's where I would like to be good. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, between the 2003s, the 2004s, you know, you look at the two, like I couldn't sit here and not talk about any of the age groups, to be honest with you. Because yeah. when you look at Trevor's 
uh, kid, Matt Steinberg. You know, when we look at that that group, like this was a team that never won ever. We, there used to be the running joke. Trevor was the head coach of the 2000 team. Yeah. I was the head coach of the 2001. Midge was the head coach of the 2003. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we we had another group going then to the 99s. And, and I actually coached the 99s at the same time. We'd go to a tournament. We'd clean up. 99s would win. 2001s would win. Yeah. 2003s would win. Yeah. 2004s would win. <laughs> Steiny might have been going home Sunday morning, right? Like <laughs> it was, but 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 when you look at it and you look at these kids, it's just this is where parents have to take a lesson that it's a lesson in time, right? Yeah. Matt Steinberg was five foot one, right, playing midget hockey. Okay, it just he just needed time, right? Will Devoe, good hockey player, played high level hockey his whole life, right? You know, he was a good player on our team. Had Peter Delabatori. Peter Delabatori's parents didn't know if they wanted him to be a forward or a defense. Right, they wanted him to play forward. Right, we actually talked Peter's parents into him playing defense for one fact. We had ten forwards, and I had to cut somebody. And and you think boring. about it, it might have been him. Yeah. It might have been Steiny's kid. Right, like when you're looking at it, going Steiny. Well, you know what, your your kid might be the weakest one here. Right, and you're going, but we need to keep them because Trevor, you never grew. You never, you never had facial hair until you were 16, 17, 18, 19, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> right? And so, so all of a sudden, you know, your kid's going to be the same way. He's got the same makeup as you. Yeah. And then I look at a kid like Peter and I say, you know, like there's something in there. There's a big athlete in there. Yeah. It's just, he, he's, um, I'll give you an example too. I called Isaac Arnold because Isaac Arnold, his father, Josh Arnold, he's Supreme Court judge of Canada. His kids trained with us. Yeah. I called him. I got him on the ice with a bunch of guys last Friday. Yeah. He was hesitant to go. Matt Steinberg, Peter Delbatore, Will DeVoe, uh, Morgan and Justin Barron. And you know what I said? I said, well, you got Morgan Barron out on the ice. He's a New York Rangers draft pick. He was overlooked at the Q draft because he was too small. Matt Steinberg was the last pick in the Q draft because basically probably Daryl Young did Trevor a favor and put him on a list, right? Yeah. And I say a favor in a good way. You look after your own when you come to stuff like that. And you see, kid could have ripped up Major Junior in his 20-year-old year, right? You know, Peter Delabatore, I said to, to Isaac, he's a bigger geek than you when he was when when he was a kid, right? Like he was a nerd, right? Yeah. Matt Steinberg, right? Cornell University, top-line player. Peter Delabatore, drafted to Vegas and drafted out to Colorado. Peter Delabatore, full ride to Quinnipiac. Um, you know, drafted to Vegas. Uh, Will DeVoe at Harvard, right? Um, you know, you, you, uh, Morgan Barron, um, captain of Cornell University, right? Right? Over, overlooked in the Quebec League draft until his second year midget, yeah. right? You know, I say, this is a pedigree. This is the same type of athlete you are. We don't know if you'll grow. We don't even know if you'll get any better. Mm -hmm. But you're a good skater. you got good skills. So go out and see actually how these guys work and train mm -hmm. without somebody blowing a whistle for them. Mm -hmm. So I just had an hour and a half of ice. I just let those guys go use it. They went and used it. They jumped on the ice. Isaac called me after. He said, that was the best hockey session I think I've ever had. Wow. He said, because you know what? He goes, we didn't have a coach. Funny. I said, well, who ran it? What did you guys do? Funny. Captain of the program, right? Captain of Cornell. He said, well, Morgan Red stepped up. He he ran a number of the drills, right? So it just goes to show you that. I said, well, there you go. There's the quality of person that you're you're by as well, right? So, um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of the evolution of, of, of my prospects program um, from there. 
you know, we've got my the the biggest kudo right now that we've have is you know we had guys like Brad Marchand who came through when we were junior Huskies. He was drafted. Andrew Bondarchuk. Like I, I've rebranded this program like three times to try to stay alive. Junior Huskies. The Junior all Huskies. All you team. remember yeah. the well, Junior Huskies? Jersey. Yeah, but you were a Junior yeah, Husky. I was a junior Husky. Yeah. So well, what what age group were you? Because you're uh, you're uh, ninety one. Yeah. Right. So you were a Junior Husky. Right. Troy Ryan might have coached that ninety one team for me. Maybe. Right, but you were a junior husky right back in the day with uh, with uh, Taylor Burke. Uh, they were not. No, they were a little hurt. Uh, Jordan, Jordan. Um, no, I'm trying. I'm I'm dating myself a little late there. No, because the '92s. I'm thinking of the '92s. The '92s just ahead of you were. Well, there's there's where I take a little bit of pride. All of a sudden, when you see Stephen McCauley and Mitchell Maynard and Jarrett Grant and Ben Duffy, all the kids who played for your junior huskies program, come back and be St. Mary's Huskies. That meant a lot. Definitely. Right. That meant a lot. Right. You know. Now I've got it. Now it's happening. Now again. You know, Nick Welsh. You know. 97 prospect yeah. Matt Welsh 99 prospect Ben Higgins 99 prospect yeah. they're coming to play right so coming back to St. Mary's so it's nice to, to be able be to cool seeing it come full circle it must be a rewarding feeling just yeah other than the fact that you look at it and you say okay I gotta stay shaven here because my my beard's all gray now <laughs> <laughs> still hard work we'll be there one day I'll be there one day yeah you were on the ice with Crosby and Nate I saw a cool picture of you I, was, uh, I looked you up on Google and there's a picture of you yeah. and Sid and Nate I love talking about Sid and Nate stories what was it like being on the ice with them? I don't know how many times you've been on the ice with them, but I'd love to be on the ice with them more. That's for sure, right? Um, yeah, but uh, I bet I was I, I was fortunate enough to uh, one summer when uh, when Sid came back uh, here to Halifax, uh, he was setting up some camps, and I was fortunate enough to to be able to fill in as a coach. And yeah. you know, it's 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 probably bad, but it is the big kid in me. Like I am a big kid, so I needed a pitcher with the two of them. Yeah. Um, I think that might have been the first pitcher of the two of them okay. together yeah. with their NHL Pittsburgh gear. and their NHL gear on because that was just Nate had just started. Yeah. Um, so so that was special for me, right? Yeah. You know, again, it's stuff that I I did put it on my Twitter, but I don't publicize this stuff all over my uh, my you know my my website because. It's just them. It's just their privacy. You know what I mean? It's you know everybody has pictures with them, but that was a special moment for me. Um, exceptional watching this is where you look at other players and you say you can't have any excuses you know i'll use an absurd example here tough to take a day off work when larry utech goes to work every day with als right so you know like how do you say i don't feel good right how do you say oh, i can't work hard today yeah. right you got a guy that's blinking looking at a computer screen to type you up a message right you know, and then you're going, okay, yeah, I'm, I had a little bit too much red wine last night, so I'm going to take an audible for work today. I'm going to tell somebody I don't feel good, right? I got a migraine, I got a headache. Yeah, okay, take a pass on, you know, you, know you, you all of a sudden learn that excuses are for losers, right? You know, and, uh, and when you're on the ice with Sid and Nate, nothing's, nothing's not done hard, fast, and you're looked at to, to, to be be as good or better than them when you're out there practicing with them. You're not taking, you don't take time off with them. That's one thing I noticed. Like, you know, I got to send Sydney a couple passes at the end of practice. You know, he looked at me and said, they got to come way harder. That's what he said. Way harder. Yeah, he goes, they got to come harder, right? Like, and I'm going, okay, like, I'm taking slap shots. I'm honestly taking slap shots. So you can see sometimes how pros would want some some pro coaches or some pros working with them because yeah. they do have, you know, some pros, they obviously have different skills. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I think I've got a pretty good mind. I think I can come up with drills. I think I 
can actually make their skating better even today, yeah. right? Like I think I've got a great knowledge on the physics of skating. Yeah. So I think if I had an opportunity to work with either of them right now today, I could make them a better skater than they are, right? So that's a big statement. Yeah. However, when I'm doing some drills with them, I really feel like, okay, I'm a little out of my element here because I, I, I honestly probably can't move a puck as hard as, you know, the defenseman who just retired two years ago who's the, the skills yeah. coach for them, you know. Yeah. But he said, yeah, they got to come way harder. I was literally, Justin, I was literally taking slap shots, right? Just on the ice slap yeah. shots. Just so I'll give you two stories. So the one story that I love about Sydney, and again, I'd only been on the ice with him a few times, is he comes to me and he says to me, he goes, well, what do we want to do? What do you want to do here? I want to do a drill. He said, and uh, I said, well, what I've got is I'm going to have you guys come down across the blue line. I'm going to pound a, uh, a wrap around the boards, and I want you to come down, and I want you to pick up, because for him I started, because I want a guy's picking up pucks. He's a left-handed shot. I want a guy's picking up pucks off the wall on their backhand in motion, yeah. pulling it immediately to their forehand, and yeah. by one, two strides, I want you taking nice quick shot. shots at yeah. the net before you hit the top of the dot. Yeah. But he looks right at me, and this is where you get the new age kids too, right? And even though he's not new age, but he's playing in, in the, with always, he looks right at me. He goes, why are we doing the drill though? Like why? What's the purpose? Well, you know, you got to be quick on your feet too, right? Like, yeah, so, yeah. I, so I look at him instantly without, I don't miss a beat. And I said, well, I'm just thinking about hard dump-ins on power plays when pucks have to go from east to west and they're wrapped pucks to gain time and space. You need to pick those pucks up off the wall and create some space yeah. off the wall and then be able to maybe sink back or go to the net or just create some space. But the whole focus, and I completely made it up. I did. If he's did listening to it, on the up. spot, I made it up. I, 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 The whole purpose of the drill was really I just wanted him to work on the skill of catching because, like, defensemen, think of defensemen going to the boards, taking a wrap, and they can't pull it from their backhand or their forehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, really, I just thought I want to do this because I wanna, I'm want to. i going to show these guys that, you know, you need to be able to yeah. pull this in motion and release at once. And I will do it in slow motion, and I'll teach these pros to do it all. But when he said, what's the purpose of the drill? Like, what's the purpose Beyond the skill, he said, I get it. What's the purpose in a game? I made it up just like that. Was that the first time you've ever been asked that question by the a player? Very first time I was ever asked that question as well, yeah. I was going to say, who, yeah. who would ever ask that? Right. So he comes down. The first time he does it, I wrap a puck. He comes down. It hits something on the ice, bounces over his stick, and he goes to the back of the line. And I scratch my chin like I'm doing right now, and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> Whoops. Right? So he goes, so everybody goes, right? The puck bumps a couple times. A couple guys miss it, right? No word of a lie. He goes a second time. I wrap the puck as hard as I can, right? Flies up over his stick, right? As he turns, he shoots me a look. Like, he kind of looks at me like, oh, I'm fucking going. It's, it's not my fault, right? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. not my fault, right? That's, you know, it's, you've missed, you, well, you've missed it twice now, too. Like, not me. I'm only throwing it around the boards. It's not me that's missing it, right? But, and as he looks at me, he kind of looks at me, he goes, again, right? Like, just, he puts a stick up. So, did he go to but, the back of the line? No, or he, just he like, but, but, but as he turns, so instead of taking the loop, he's taking the loop and he turns and he's looking at me, but then he does, he loops right back and he looks at the boards. And but he looks right down at the ice and he goes down and he goes back in line and he does a quick tight turn at the blue line and he comes down. You know, he takes one, two strides and, you know, like two strides. He's almost at the hash marks, right? Yeah. He takes one, two strides and I quickly pound a puck around the boards 
And Justin, I watch it hit that bump, and I watch it come an inch, an inch and a half up off the ice, yeah. right? Maybe two inches off the ice. And his backhand came off the ice, and he tapped that puck out of the air, and he pulled that puck to his forehand. And before he hit the, the face-off dot, he had gone short side, low bar. Um, and you just look at it, and you're going, that's exceptional. Like, because he just, it was all, and it's that top speed. Yeah. And, like, I don't shoot the puck exceptionally hard, but it's not a slow shot. Like, yeah. and I wrap, and when you wrap a puck around those boards, yeah. and it bounced up off the ice a couple inches, and he tapped that puck, and he goes to the net, and he shoots, right? And uh, he went bar down. Wow. Right? That's oh, yeah. Great story. And, and so you're going, okay, this is how good this guy is, and this is how good he wants to be. Yeah. And he doesn't accept the 98% on the test. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not 98. It can never even be 98. And that's my story on Nathan McKinnon. I was very fortunate enough to be able to teach Nathan McKinnon in his early years how to skate. Right? Nathan's actually been very kind to me. He signed two jerseys really? and said, thanks for teaching me how to skate. Nogs, right? No way. Yeah, I've got one of them framed. I got his moose heads, one framed. It hangs in my basement. I love it. I've actually taken the Colorado one a couple times. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, not the propaganda, but I do use it a couple times in my morning power skating. Because this is the lesson. It's a lesson. I'm giving him a Nathan McKinnon lesson. Here's this little kid from Cole Harbor going up and down the ice, and we do a lot of things in lanes, if you can remember from back in the day when I had you on the ice. and you did love the lanes. Yeah, up and down them. lanes, right? And so I do a drill where you put a puck underneath your glide foot, and you have just your power foot. Okay. And the puck on your glide foot, if you move it to the right or to the left, and it's not just Over. a post, you're going down, yeah. right? So the, the, the drill was get up, go all the way to the goal line, and all the way back. Just on your power foot. On your power foot, right? And so, anyway, so you're blowing the whistle, and you're blowing the whistle, and I keep I keep looking, and Nate keeps grabbing his puck, and he keeps going back to the goal line. And so I had to skip. I said, hey, man, I said, what are you, my little buddy. I said, what are you doing? Little buddy. Yeah, I just say, hey, little buddy, right? Like, it was. These, are, these guys are my little buddies, right, yeah. when they start, right? I'm like, hey, little buddy. He looks up. I said, yeah, you know, because he wasn't Nate then. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, little buddy. I said, so what's going on? I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to get to the other end. I looked at him. I was confused. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I, I keep, it keeps slipping out from underneath my foot. So he said, I have to start from the beginning to get to. So he, so he always went back to start the race again. He didn't run the race and get two-thirds down the race and then realize, oh, well, I'm making mistakes, and then he just finished with mistakes. He went back and ran the first two-thirds of the race again, right? Wow. And so it was just you're going, wow. You can, and, then when, and then, you know, like, so I had much more experience with Nathan because he, uh, he played at that point. We had junior moose heads. Okay. So that's when Spencer uh, Cameron came through Cameron, um, with yeah. Kevin Cameron and all my uh, 92 born athletes with Kevin Saab and all those guys, Ian Saab and all, right? Yeah. You know, all yeah. those guys. When you talk about being surrounded by great people, think about the 92 program. Kevin Cameron, Kevin Saab, John Saferis, right? Like I'm throwing out names you know, nobody else would know. But Alex could, is getting married this weekend, by the way. Yeah, I, yeah I knew that, right? Yeah. But could you ask for better people to, 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 to try to be successful with, right? Like, so I'd do anything for all those three gentlemen you just yeah, exactly. Yeah, so 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 there's where I contribute a lot of my success. I've been very fortunate when you, and earlier when we talked about relationships, right? Yeah. I was taught early how to build relationships, and uh, and it's really helped me. But uh, but that's you know that 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 that's one of those things where you go, okay, you know, th these kids work this hard, constant, 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 that at the end, it's all of a sudden you're going, wow. No wonder they're successful. No wonder they're pros, right? 
forgot my point that I was going to say there. I got off on the 92s there. McKinnon but... went back to the start. Oh, yeah, going. just 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 kept, kept going back right yeah. to the start, right? But but that was the thing. You know, so so that so so my point being is is that, you know, he was a oh sorry, he was a junior uh, moosehead back yeah. in the day. That yeah. was the that was the second stage of the programming. Yeah. So that's where I started to get a little bit more involved in the business. Yeah. So I evolved the junior Huskies to the junior mooseheads for marketing right so marketing i was looking and now you look at the saying okay now i'm going to get into you know a marketing part of the business and so forth and then when bobby smith came along and kevin was out it was you know it was a little bit of an insurance liability and yeah. and i don't think he wanted the responsibility that if there was an issue with a parent or a family it then became a halifax mooseheads okay. corporation problem when there was no connection to the entity they they just permitted us the name yeah. um and then that was the evolution of the uh of the basically the the Nova Scotia prospects. Cool. Yeah. That's crazy. We're coming up on an hour here, so the rule yep. of thumb is gotta thank anyone. You know, you've had a long career. I'm sure there's tons of people you want to thank. I know it might be tough, but last minute of the podcast is yours. So if you want to say anything to anyone, you don't have to say anything at all. No, no, I've I would you know, there there'd be people out there that I'd probably obviously not include in thank yous, but I can tell you if I get a chance right now to thank some people for for my hockey career, my hockey success, you know I, you always got to start with your parents, man. If I can think of the amount of times that my parents put me in their car and they just gave me that opportunity to be in hockey when, when we probably couldn't be. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm in this game today because of my parents. Um, I really thank Chuck LeCain. Chuck LeCain as a teacher um, kept me in line. I wasn't always the best kid either. Right. So I've experienced guys like Chuck LeCain who kept me in line, helped me with coaching. Yeah. Daryl Young. We never talked about Daryl at Dow. I never got to talk a lot about Daryl. I probably wouldn't be in coaching today if it wasn't for Daryl. Daryl kept me at Dalhousie, gave me an opportunity to play three years at Dal. Um, uh, Allen Andrews Hockey School, uh, they kept me there for, for summers on end. I'd live there for 10, 10, 11 weeks, and I'd work for Allen Andrews. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, and like just to house a kid from a small town and give me an opportunity and pay me every two weeks. And, you know, um, you know from, there, from there, it's Trevor Steinberg, right? You know, like if, if I don't have Trevor Steinberg uh, grab a hold of me and you know, beat my face off one day at, at Dalhousie and we make a good connection because he really set me in line, right? Like he, he set me straight yeah. and, uh, and we developed a father, son, big brother relationship that, that was fostered for 28 years, you know, three years at Dal and 20, 23, you know, 25 to 28 years. I've been, Trevor's been in my life. So, you know, you know, Larry, Utech hiring me, every athletic director that's, that's come through St. Mary's, but between, you know, I, I say, guys, between Daryl Young, Larry Utek, and Trevor Steinberg, I, I, I like, you know, there's lots out there, but those three guys have just been unbelievable for, for me. Um, I would leave one last. I'll give a big shout-out to uh, Todd Barter. Uh, Jake Barter's, uh, his son plays at Dal, actually. Todd, Todd Barter uh, dug in, and he, he, he's helped me build a business for 15 years and has got no credit um, and basically no financial reward from it. And this is a dad that uh, privately I'm, I'm where I'm at today because of him. And then under those guys, I have all kinds of dads that I could thank, tons of them. But, yeah, that's awesome. so that's it. Nog, thank you so much for coming on, man. Like, I, I want to set up the podcast in the in the SMU dressing room and just talk to you every day. Like, the, the amount of knowledge you just dropped to our listeners and myself, I can't thank you enough, man. That was awesome. Yeah, no, and I thank you. Anytime I'd be a guest, no problems. It'd be great. Love it. Um, everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in once again. Uh, enjoy the day. It's Tuesday, rest of the week, summertime. Stay safe.
got something else? It, it's, well, it's Wednesday today, but oh, that's it okay. It is Wednesday, but it could Stay be two. It, it's all right. I no. didn't want to correct you, right? You never corrected me once <laughs> this podcast. Coach, you're, coach, you're <laughs> coach. It's Wednesday. Anyways, enjoy the summer. Have fun. We're out. Peace, guys. Did I leave it?